Well, good morning and almost Happy New Year. I hope you had a great Christmas. We had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, our biggest surprise was to see our son and his family, who are church planters in Ireland, uh, come walking into our living room on Christmas Eve, uh, unannounced, and uh, I've been spending money ever since. They're, <laughs> they're here this morning. David, would you and April stand, and just I just want the folks to see you. Uh, <clears throat> And then our grandkids, uh, Micah, Lily, and Jack. Uh, David served here as an intern in the student ministry program when he was a student at North Greenville University. So it was a very special uh, Christmas for our family. Uh, this is the Sunday after Christmas, though. It's not nearly as exciting, is it, as the Sunday before Christmas. Uh, in fact, uh, it's a little bit depressing, for me anyway, um, this year, the tree will come down if it hasn't already come down. We'll take down the wreaths and the garland, get out the vacuum cleaner. All the gifts will be, like it or not, forgotten as we move on through the year. The calendar changes this week. Next week, the kids head back to school. Income tax forms come in the mail. Like it or not, time marches on, and we're all caught up in that march. I'd like to hold on to this Christmas season, but I can't, and neither can you. On the other hand, though, I guess it's good that we let Christmas go. Many of us would probably weigh about 500 pounds if we kept Christmas all year long. So what do we do? As we leave the excitement of this Christmas season and as we move on into a year that's full of uncertainties, full of unknowns, maybe for some of you already, full of anxiety, worry, cares and concerns about what this new year may hold. Where do we go? Where do we find the strength for a brand new year? Well, we find it where God's people have always found it. And I want us to focus on that this morning. And if you have your copy of God's Word with you, please let me invite you to turn to Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to look and what I believe, anyway, is one of the most beautiful verses of Scripture that we find anywhere in God's Word. The prophet Isaiah, writing in a time and writing to a people who were facing incredible hardship, suffering, uncertainty, penned some of the most powerful words that have ever been written. Now, the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah tells the story of the impending destruction of the Hebrew nation at the hands of the Babylonian Empire. Some 130 years earlier, the northern kingdom of Israel had been overrun by the Assyrians. Now, it would not be long before the southern kingdom would face the same fate 
at the hands of the Babylonians. It was a dark time for God's people. It was a discouraging time, politically, socially, economically, spiritually. Life was in turmoil. But it was into just that kind of reality that the prophet Isaiah speaks the words that we're going to look at together this morning. And I want us to look at them because this is a word for you and this is a word for me this morning. As we leave the excitement of Christmas behind and as we move into a brand new year of uncertainty and unknown, I want us to see how God's timeless, unchanging word speaks into the reality of our lives. So Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, says this, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. This morning, I want you to open your eyes and I want you to open your heart to one of the greatest resources of strength that you have and that I have as children of God as we face this new year. And let me say this to you. I'm not talking about some kind of vague, nebulous, overly spiritualized concept that minimizes your problems, that makes you deny their reality intensely practical this morning. I'm talking about the resource of your mind. I'm talking about the resource of your will. I'm talking about the ability God has given you and God has given me to make a conscious decision about how we're going to respond to the pressures and the problems and the challenges of life. And I've told you this before, and please let me tell you again, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about the power of biblical thinking. I'm talking about taking the truths of God's Word and bringing them into your life and building your life upon them. Because you see, I'm going to respond to the pressures and the problems and the challenges of life in one of two ways. Let me encourage you to fill in the blanks on your, on your message notes here because this may be one of the most helpful messages that, that I've been privileged to bring to you so far in our time together. I really hope this is going to be something intensely helpful for you. I can respond to the pressures and the problems and the challenges of life in one of two ways. Number one... I can let the things out there determine how I feel in here. In other words, I can let the pressures and the problems and the challenges of life out there determine my inner attitude. I can let the things out there determine how I'm going to feel in here. That's one way I can face these pressures and problems and challenges. Or, number two... I can determine that my inter, inner attitude will regulate my response to outer forces, to outer circumstances. I can decide 
that my emotional life is not going to be dictated by the pressures and the problems and the challenges that confront me, but that instead, listen, I am going to be in control of my emotions and my inner attitude will therefore determine my response to those outer circumstances. Now, one of the greatest examples I know of this is seen in the life of a man by the name of Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was born in Austria during the Second World War. He was captured by the Germans and placed in a German prisoner of war camp. There he saw his wife and his entire family put to death in the Nazi gas chambers. He saw many of his friends' lives and their families' lives totally destroyed. Viktor Frankl described that experience in a book that he wrote entitled Man's Search for Meaning. And in that book, Viktor Frankl made one of the most amazing statements. I want to share it with you, and I quote, I came to the conclusion that the greatest act of freedom God has given me is to determine my response to my circumstances, unquote. You see, in that prisoner of war camp where there was gross inhumanity, where there was injustice, where there was all kinds of cruelty and death, Viktor Frankl could not do one thing about his circumstances. But by the grace of God and by the gift of God, he was able to choose how he would respond to those circumstances, even to the point of reaching out to and having compassion for his captors, even in the midst of his own suffering. I may not be able to do a single thing about the problems, the pressures, and the challenges of life that come my way and the challenges that this brand new year is going to bring. And God will help us do that. And that is the lesson of our text this morning. So I want you to follow along with me as we begin by looking together at the provision of God for this brand new year, the provision of God for another year. Isaiah chapter 40, the first part of verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Now I want to stop here and look at that word renew. And let's have a little uh, dialogue here instead of just monologue, okay? Um, I'm using the King James Version this morning for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I grew up on it and I, I memorized this verse from the King James, and there's just some special beauty, I think, about the verse as we read it in the King James. There's some other reasons we'll look at, but does anybody this morning have a translation that says anything except renew? Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Anybody have a different translation there you want to share? What's that? Trust. Okay. For the word renew, anything besides renew? Okay, hope. 
All right, y'all are jumping a little further ahead of me in the verse <laughs> than, than, I, than I mean to be. I'm really looking at the word renew. What's that? Gain? Will gain strength? Good. Anything else? Other translations say, will find new strength. One translation says, will regain their strength. Let me tell you what the word renew means here. Okay, the word renew literally means to exchange. What Isaiah is saying is this, they that wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength. And if again you're reading from the King James this morning, you might note that the word there, T-H-E-I-R, is in italics, which means it was not part of the original Hebrew text. It was inserted by the translators to sort of smooth out the sentence. But literally, the verse reads, they that wait upon the Lord shall exchange strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange. Are you with me? Let me say that again. I want to make sure you get it. The Christian life is not so much about changing my life as it is about an exchange of life. The Christian life, church, is an exchanged life. And if you have not understood that, you have not understood the most basic tenet of Christianity. Listen, whenever you find a Christian who is living in defeat, who is living underneath the burden of all of these negative feelings, who's all burdened down with stress and worry and anxiety and anger, that doesn't mean we don't have those feelings sometimes, okay, we're human but who is really living underneath that kind of burden all the time, that person has not understood the most basic understanding of Christianity, and that is that the Christian life is an exchanged life. Let me quote to you the verse again that I probably quote more than any other. You probably already heard it half a dozen times. Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, rather Christ lives in me so that the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying the Christian life is an exchanged life. I've God's word. You begin with an exchange. I take my weaknesses and I exchange them for God's strength. I take my guilt and my sin and I exchange them for God's forgiveness. I take my worry and I exchange it for God's peace. I take my old negative and destructive attitudes and I exchange them for His joy and for the filling of the Holy Spirit to give me the very mind of Christ. You see, church, the best way to begin dealing with the pressures and the problems and the challenges of life is to understand this most intimate and integral truth of Christianity. I take my weaknesses and I exchange them 
for the strength that comes from God. Now, some of you here may be thinking this morning, well, preacher, that sounds good. But how do you get in on it? That, that's not my experience. How do I get in on this exchange? Well, that's a good question. It's a very good question because this is not automatic. Just because you see this and understand this this morning doesn't mean that you're going to experience it because there is a second principle here. I'm calling it the exclusionary principle. There is an exclusionary principle here because this promise of an exchange is not for every person. In fact, it is not even for every Christian shall renew their strength. Only those who wait upon the Lord get in on this kind of exchange. So now the question becomes what? What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? Now, um, here's where some of you who spoke a moment ago just got a little bit ahead of me because I want to hear what other translation you have here uh, that takes the place uh, of the word wait. Is there, is there some other word there in your translation that substitutes for the word wait? They that hope. They that trust. Have you ever wondered why the different translations translate different words different ways? This, this causes problems for some people. But have you ever wondered why one translation reads one way and another translation reads another way? Well, let me, let me try to explain that to you a little bit this morning without going into a lot of this. Every time it translates this word, it translates it consistently Wait, even though each time the word wait is used, it has a different meaning. So let's look together at these different examples and see if we can come to understand what it really means to wait upon the Lord. First verse I want you to look at is Psalm 62.1. And as we look at these, remember, remember the promise. The promise is those who wait on the Lord will exchange their weakness for God's strength. Psalm 62.1, look at it with me. Truly my soul, here's the word, waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. Here the word wait means to long for God, to long for God, to have a hunger for God, to have a thirst for God. Truly my soul longs for God. Truly my soul thirsts for God. Why? Because from him comes my salvation. So in Psalm 62.1, the word wait means to long for God. Psalm 104.27, these wait, there's the word again, these wait all upon thee that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. Here the word wait means to look to God, to look to God, to trust him to provide, to be dependent upon him right? We're, we're waiting on God. We're dependent upon God because we know from Him we get the things that we need for life. So in Psalm 104, 27, the word wait means to look to God. 
Proverbs 8.34, blessed is the man who heareth me, watching daily at my gates, here's the word again, waiting at the posts of my door. Here the word wait means to listen to God, to listen to God, to wait on God's word for your life because the writer says, bless the man who hears God, who hears his word. So here the word wait means to listen to God. And finally, in Proverbs 27, 18, whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the truth, shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth, there's the word again, waiteth on his master shall be honored. Here the word wait means to live for God. To live for God. So, here it is. God says, I will exchange my strength for your stress, my power for your weakness, my joy for your anxiety, my peace for your worry, I will exchange with you if you will long for me, if you will look to me, if you will listen to me, and if you will live for me. That's the person God can come to and say, I will give you my strength for your weakness. Now, can I let you in on a secret this morning? Here's the secret. The reason why we don't experience this and the reason why the Christian life doesn't seem to work for so many Christians is not because God doesn't keep His promises. It's because we don't meet the conditions. It's amazing the things you don't get amens for. The reason why the Christian life doesn't work for many of us, it's not because God doesn't keep His promises. He says, I will exchange my strength for your weakness. God will keep His promise, but we have been for ourselves doing exactly, precisely what we want to do without ever bringing God into the conversation. And We need to understand this morning, it is only those who wait before the Lord only those who are pursuing Him, only those who are dependent upon Him, only those who are listening to Him and longing for Him and looking to Him, they are the only ones who will find a God who says, I will walk with you, I understand your faults, I understand your frailties, I know your emotional makeup, I see your needs, and I will exchange my strength for your weakness. If you long for me, if you look to me, if you listen to me, and if you live for me. So what will that do for us? What difference will it really make? Well, I want to conclude this morning by looking at the promises of God for this brand new year. And there's some amazing promises if we meet the conditions. What are these promises? God gives us three. Number one, He promises us the power of elevation. The power of elevation. Look at this. They that wait upon the Lord 
shall mount up with wings as eagles. This is a word picture. Let me ask you a question. What is the greatest problem an eagle faces? An eagle has no known predators. It's the king of the birds. The greatest problem the eagle faces is the power of a storm. From its roosts and its nest high up in those mountain peaks, the eagle is buffeted by the winds and the heavy rains of of the storms that threaten to destroy its nest or drive it from its perch. And we face the same struggles that the eagle faces when we go through the storms of life that assail us and attack us. Isaiah says, here's what God will do for you if you exchange your weakness for His strength. You will find a whole new power in the middle of life's storm. It's the power of elevation, the power to soar. If you will listen to me, if you will live for me, if you will allow me to exchange my strength for your weakness, then the storms of life will never be able to beat you down. In fact, they can become vehicles of my grace that will actually allow you and enable you to reach heights spiritually that you could never reach any other way. That's good news in the storms of life, isn't it? The power of elevation. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange strength. They shall mount it with wings as eagles. The power of elevation. Number two, the power of acceleration. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange strength. They shall run and not be weary. Here the imagery changes from the eagle who is facing the storm to the athlete, the runner who in spite of fatigue and burning lungs and trembling muscles is still able to find that final burst of speed that's required to get to the finish line and win the race. I love the imagery of the runner. For me, it always symbolizes the opportunities and the responsibilities of life that will face us, the new demands, the new pressures that you need that will enable you to keep the finish line in sight so that you don't fall by the wayside, so that you don't lose the race. God is saying to you and me today, as you face the responsibilities, the opportunities, and the challenges of a brand new year, if you will long for me, if you will look to me, if you will listen to me, and if you will live for me, I will give you the power of acceleration like a runner straining for the finish line. I will give you the extra power that you need to win your race. I will exchange my strength for your weakness if you will wait on me. Finally, not just the power of elevation and the power of acceleration, but thirdly, God promises us the power of determination. Determination. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange strength. They shall walk 
and not faint. As I read through these three promises, I've really come to the conclusion that this last one is probably the greatest one of all. Because it is the promise for those ordinary days. Those sometimes dull, even monotonous days of to go to church, to serve our Lord, and to serve our neighbor, and to do it with a heart of thanksgiving and a spirit of rejoicing because that's just what God has called us to do. Day in and day out in the ordinary experiences of everyday living. And in those ordinary days of life, when you may not feel like soaring, and you may not feel like running, God says to you this morning, I'll give you the simple power of determination. The ability to put one foot in front of the other, to simply walk and not faint if you will long for me. If you will look to me. If you will listen to me. If you will live for me. Single day. I want you to bow your head with me this morning as we come to the conclusion of this service, as we leave this place this morning and prepare to launch out into a brand new year. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the resource You have given us by Your Spirit through an act of our will, through a decision of our minds that we're not going to let the bad stuff out there, the hard stuff out there, the stressful stuff out there affect the good stuff in here. That our inner attitude is not going to be determined by our outward circumstances, but rather we're going to be in control of our emotions by your spirit and by your help. And we're going to be part of that great exchange. The exchanged life that you promised to every person who will place their full faith and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you promise us that power of elevation above the storms of life. Acceleration to be able to persevere when we don't know if we can keep going, but we can, and you give us that spiritual second wind and we we're able to make it to the finish line. And Lord, for that, just that simple strength of determination, one foot after the other, day by day, ordinary living, to be victorious in it, be the day, so that that person, he or she, young or old, could step out into 2019, claiming and experiencing and living in all of these good promises from your Lord. The Lord, whatever decision may need to be made this morning, we ask that by your Spirit you will enable us to make them. Because we ask this prayer in Jesus' name.
Amen. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing. Right now we're going to sing together. This altar's open. These steps are open. If you just need to come and pray this morning, other staff is here. We'll pray with you. If you don't know Christ this morning, you don't know that power. You don't know about this exchanged life. You can receive that this morning. And I don't have anything on my plate today more pressing than staying after this service with you and sharing with you what you need to do to get in on this exchange of life. If you already know Christ, but you're living in defeat, you're living in worry, maybe this is a new truth for you this morning. And you want to come and say, Lord, I, I just I drive down a spiritual marker here today. From this day forward, I long for you, I look to you, I listen to you, I will live for you in every area and arena of my life.